If you're struggling with a drug or alcohol addiction, now is the time to take action and get professional help. Call Recovery Centers of America at 1-800-941-2358. You are worthy of recovery from your addiction, and calling RCA will be the first step in getting the help you need. Recovery Centers of America answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, and because safety is a top priority, all patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Their expert team of physicians and medical professionals will treat you with compassion and dignity and provide an evidence-based treatment plan that's custom-tailored to your specific needs. Recovery Centers of America has has detoxification and residential treatment centers across the East Coast and Midwest. And many of their treatment centers are in network with insurance providers. So RCA's best-in-class inpatient and outpatient care, which is offered both in-person and via teletherapy, is affordable and accessible. Make this the year you conquer your addiction. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358. It's summertime and at my bookie that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. And at my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, golf, and then some. The craziest sports summer we've ever had. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your sports intuition, people. Select from hundreds of futures bets. You can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big old brain of yours to good use and use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now and bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, like the Cuban Missile Crisis, the college football world held its breath on Monday, but now it appears that the Big Ten may be Khrushchev and may blink. Far from over, but about to get wild. Ron Thomas and John Ronis join me for a mini Capital Golf Gang on the PGA Championship. All hail the new superstar, Colin Morikawa. That plus a big old Nelson, Muncie, and haha when it comes to mandatory masks. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. Thank you for joining me. Wow, what a Monday it was. I felt like I didn't do shit all day, but hit refresh and a scroll with my thumb. I kept waiting. Oh, I've been told, shoe's about to drop, season's about to go, domino's about to fall, Big Ten first, Pac-12 next, bing, 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 and away we go. And I just kept refreshing. And I kept scrolling. And then the sun finally set, which it did just moments ago. And guess what? Fort Sumter still stands. Is that the right? Is that right, Fort? Hold on a second. What was it? uh, The national anthem? uh, uh, Our flag through the night? Our flag through the night. This would have been good. Uh, Star Spangled. Yeah, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. That would be uh, Francis Francis Scott Key, and the fort he's talking about, Star Spangled Banner history. Don't worry, uh, history fort, <sighs> Fort McHenry. 
I should know this. I should fucking know this. I went to Fort McHenry, the family, not that long ago. Anyway, our flag is still there. The college football season is still intact. Thanks in part, first of all, the stars came through. Justin Fields, who's going to be a star at Ohio State. Trevor Lawrence, who is the biggest star in college football right now at Clemson. And a bunch of other players jumped on the hashtag. It's stupid to think hashtags should carry that much power, but they do. At least they hear some voices. Also, coaches coming out and supporting of the big-name schools. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. You know, we all goof on Harbaugh, old Jimmy Hardpaugh. A great and very factual letter saying, we can do this, we can do this safely, and this would be the best thing for these kids, these student-athletes. So all of that helped. And then what I think really started to change and maybe caught the Big Ten from going full on, that's it, we're shutting it down, was when Nebraska said, oh yeah, we'll we'll play. We're going to play somewhere, somehow. And if you think Nebraska is full of shit, go back to the 1918 pandemic and look up who Nebraska played back in the day. They played some school called, uh, some balloon school is what it was called back in the day. Now, granted, it was a disfigured schedule, but, you know, uh, here it is. Uh, College football, uh, Omaha Balloon School. And I believe they beat them 19 to nothing. So, yeah, (laughs) amazing. When Nebraska said we're committed to playing one way or the other, and we're keeping all our options open. When Ohio State started to hint at the same, you're thinking, oh shit. Like, what happens if these schools go rogue? I know the conference could say, "Uh uh-huh, Michigan, Ohio State, you're not allowed to leave. No, 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 no. And then Michigan, Ohio State look the conference in the eye, and they're like the the Somali pirate in Captain Phillips, and they say to the conference, no, 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 look at me, look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. Fuck you, Big Ten. We're Michigan and Ohio State. Everything else is an accessory to this league. And you and I and everybody fucking knows it. Accessories. We're the league. Them and us. We hate each other, but guess what? We're not going to fold up our fucking battleship programs that are set to do what we do every year in the fall because of this virus, not going to do it. Can't do it, won't do it. And these these people talking about a spring season, they are fucking dreaming. There is no such thing. You can't do it. Like, I want to hear a single credible plan for, well, here's how we do it. First of all, you need a three-month envelope for a credible season. So the earliest you could start, start realistically would be February, but you're going to be playing outdoors in February in places like Minnesota and Wisconsin and even South Bend, Indiana. You know, there's, you know, places that have real grass fields and there's fewer of those. They don't have grass in the middle of winter. And the ground is so hard. Don't just say, well, it's cold in January, December. It's cold in December as well. It's not fucking February cold, okay? Don't kid yourself. And then you're talking about, are you going to play the season through the NFL draft? Is the NFL going to wait and put the draft at the end of the college football season? How many guys who are sophomores that are playing for the first time significant time are going to play two full seasons within 20 months? I mean, it's none of it makes sense. 
are the networks going to have the same appetite for college football in the spring? That may also be a neutered and or disfigured season of sorts. Where will they fit it programming-wise? A million questions. So spring football, to me, doesn't exist. It's a joke. It, it, it could be done, but it won't be worth doing. So these schools, these conferences that have already canceled their fall, like the MAC and the Mountain West, guess what? You ain't playing football. You, ain't play, you will not play football in the spring. Mark my words. Boom. Prediction right there. So now it comes down to, did the Big Ten try to power move the rest of the conferences into not playing football? You look at the Power Five and the most liberal and blue state of the universities all live in the Big Ten. The South, including the ACC, far more conservative. And yeah, I know it shouldn't be a political issue, right? But you know it is. And the Pac-12, it's a mix because you've got, obviously, the California schools in Oregon and Washington. They're hopelessly liberal. But, you know, the California schools, you know, they still want to play football if they can. And then you got Arizona thrown into the mix and those two schools there that tends to be a bit more conservative. They can be flipped, but only if the Big Ten goes first and gives them cover. How about the fact that the Big Ten put out a schedule on Wednesday and then by Sunday, rumblings were, ah, oh, looks like we're going to shut it down. Fucking crazy, insane, and what's really happening here? I agree. Clay Travis has been good on this. You can hate him if you want. That's fine. But he made a great point. He said, look at all the reporters with anonymous quotes that were being used as proxies by those presidents in the Big Ten to get the Coke machine rocking back and forth. Rocking back and forth. Forty, Thamel, Dodd, McMurphy, all those guys that cover the college sports landscape. And they'll say, well, I'm just being a good reporter. I have my sources. Sometimes I quote anonymous sources as part of the job. And that may be true to a certain extent, but don't think for a second that the powers that be don't know how to use certain media members to give them cover for, yeah, we just can't play. And of course now, the new and latest hobgoblin is myocarditis. It's not a hobgoblin, it's real. I know it's real, but it's the latest hobgoblin. You're now starting to hear about it. Five athletes had uh, incidents of myocarditis after their battle with COVID-19. Oh, five? Five out of how many players and how many conferences? Holy shit. And myocarditis is a common complication of many viral infections, including something called the common cold. Cleveland Clinic doctor on myocarditis. According to Dr. Cantillion, myocarditis sounds a lot more severe than it usually is. In fact, many viruses have been linked to myocarditis, and most people who develop the condition continue to be, wait for it, fully functioning. Dr. Cantillion says that includes working full-time and exercising. Myocarditis results from causes other than COVID-19 has been linked to arrhythmias, where a patient may have an irregular heartbeat. That can be life-threatening. However, that's extremely rare, said the doctor. Most patients who have myocarditis have a very good quality of life. But they're an athlete. Again, if, might, could, maybe, who knows? 
the new scare quote is long-term consequences. Oh, that's right. I forgot we were all promised a long life of perfect health and no conditions and nothing else. Wow. I forgot that. No, long-term consequences is called tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. So you can't play that game, in my opinion. I mean, you can if you want to. You're going to have a sad life, though. And then there's people goofing on the NCAA, shit leadership. They want Mark Emmert to lead. And, you know, Emmert said on the call uh, about the college football season, uh, or Emmert said last week about who makes the call in the college football season, he said it's going to have to be the each institution. He's right. There is no unifying king of the five houses like in Game of Thrones. Nerd! The five houses, the power five, they switch allegiances. They team up. They break apart. They've got feuds. They see allies. They see enemies. Their their armies are strong. Their armies are weak. It depends on, you know, the ACC would have been a shit afterthought if Dabo hadn't turned him into a power and if they weren't sitting on the number one pick in the NFL draft in Trevor Lawrence, who is a known name because he's been at Clemson for two years now. So the houses rise and fall. There is no king that can say, we're doing this, we're doing that. And you know the people criticizing the NCAA for having shit leadership, and how come there's not somebody in charge here, would be going crazy if Mark Emmert said, oh, we're playing. We're playing, and if you don't play, we're going to strip your accreditation, we're going to penalize you. People will be losing their minds. Because you know what they want is they want a central organizer to say, that's it, we're going home. We're taking our football, and we're going home. And whether or not you're rooting, quote-unquote, for that to happen or not, or if it's just your personal opinion, that should be the case, whatever. But I'm telling you, you got to think of the actual athletes and where they come from, what their backgrounds are, and more importantly, think about the fucking work they put into their life, which is college football. And think of their parents and how distraught they would be if this was your son's senior season with a chance to make a splash and go pro and set himself up for life. And don't say, well, he'll still get drafted if he's good. You don't know that. Joe Burrow was not on the radar this time last year. He was just another quarterback on the stockpile who had transferred out of Ohio State and was at LSU. They're like, oh, he could be pretty good. And then he lights it the fuck up. And then he's number one pick in the draft. That's what can change lives. Here's Jonathan Cooper for the Ohio State, who I think nails it. He's an athlete. He's a player. And he talks about family and who matters to him. It's his brothers on that team and the father figures that are the coaches. It's just me personally. like When I think about my five years here, and how much I sacrifice to try to have a healthy year, a healthy season, to get through it and do what I want to do with y'all. Like, this is easy for me. This is easy sacrifice. I can wear a mask. I don't have to go out and see nobody. I live by myself. I'm cool. I don't be around nobody. This is, a, this is one of the easiest sacrifices I ever had to make here. This is nothing to me. Because of all the years and the work that I put in with Coach Mick, Coach Day, Coach Johnson, and working here and being here, me getting hurt last year, that, that, that me, me getting hurt last year and not being with y'all brothers, not being every single game, man, that hurt me way, 
way more than me not being able to go out to the club, me not being able to see my friends. That means nothing to me. The only thing that matters to me is y'all, y'all being safe in this season. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm back. I don't care about wearing a mask. I don't care about being social distance. And I know some of the young guys, they, man, they might not get it. But for me, for being a fifth-year senior here, all the work I put in here, this is an easy sacrifice. And all I ask y'all is y'all to think about that too, man. When y'all out there at the club, you're not just putting yourself at risk. You're putting the team, the coaches, and my season at risk. And I, and I, and I can't have that, man. But I love y'all boys. And, and just be safe. Really just be, be safe, be smart. Because in order for us to have a season, that's what we got to do. Listen to Coach Johnson. Listen to Coach Day. Listen to Coach Mick. Listen to everybody, man. All right? Love y'all boys. Fucking A. Yeah. That's family. That's sports. Man, I got a little bit of moistness in my eye. I got a little goosebumps on me there. That's what a lot of people in the sports media who should know better about what it means to be part of a team and the importance for guys like that, they should know that. They should understand that. And they should respect that a lot more, but they don't. And it sickens me. We'll see if uh, we'll see if the fort holds. It's just one night, and don't think that the forces that want to cancel the season, whether it's out of cowardice, ass covering, or other nefarious reasons, or out of genuine fear, or their genuine fear, whether or not the numbers support it. You know, your feelings are never wrong, as they say in therapy. If you're genuinely scared, then I guess you're genuinely scared. Whatever the case is, the forces that do want to shut down college football. They're not going to quit on this. So this is still a battle that has to be won to be continued. The hits literally keep on coming from one MMA event to the next. They grow in excitement and anticipation. UFC 252 is no different with two of the sport's most respected fighters stepping into the octagon this weekend. There's no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new users a free shot at $1 million in total prizes. If you have not tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is the easy way to play. You just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up the points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for free for a shot at a million dollars in total prizes. But hey, if MMA is not for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy contests for all the sports that have returned to action. Plus, new this year, DraftKings just launched best ball contests for football. If you're not familiar with best ball, simply head to the app now and check it out. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code ZABE. That's ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and get a free shot at $1 million in total prizes for this weekend's UFC 252 contest. That's promo code ZABE. Free shot at $1 million with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, let's talk some golf, shall we? In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and former University of Maryland golfer, Ron Thomas. And now your host from Afternoon Drive on the Team 980 Radio in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. It's a special edition of the Capital Golf Gang, a mini-sode on a Monday night 
for Consumption Tuesday on the Zabecast. John Ronas, Director of Instruction at the Ronas Academy at River Creek, and Ronnie Thomas with me. John Gould was unavailable for comment today. Boys, good evening. How are we doing? Good evening. <laughs> Here we are. How about this? With our new digital clean feed connection. Sounds good, doesn't cool. it? Ronnie and I might have paid? laptops. Are you getting paid to use this or to promote it? No. No, I'm just experimenting with it. It only took 30 minutes for us to get John hooked up on <laughs> Well, that's because you're dealing with a golf pro here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do like the quality, though. So here's Colin Morikawa with the drive of the year. You guys can't hear it, but I'm playing it right now. Here we go. Shush. Oh, it's brilliant, Nick. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That is what we've been waiting for. 23 years of age. So there you go. Did you guys hear that down the line? No. Okay, you didn't hear that. Fine. I'll work on the settings later. But there it was. Morikawa with an unbelievable laser beam. A 300-yard missile with, what, four feet of fade, maybe? to a tuck pin to 10 feet for Eagle on the 70th hole of a major championship at age 23. Ron Thomas, I'll give you the first crack at it. What would you think? Uh, it just showed. It just shows how good he is, for one, uh, because under intense pressure, even though there were no fans, and I still say it's easier to play championship golf without fans, but uh, under that kind of pressure to make a perfect golf swing and to hit literally a perfect shot, um, with his tailor-made sim, which I have and I love. Oh, come on, Ronnie. Sorry, Ronis. I knew you were What happened to the Maverick? What happened to the no, Maverick? No, no. I gave it back to Ronis. It was too good. <laughs> yeah. It went too far. I guess you didn't like the uh, 20 extra yards. You're like, let me yeah. dial this back like by the, 15 I yards. I couldn't, you couldn't, I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel the ball I hit the club. Anyway, Morikawa's drive. Uh, incredible. You know, what was crazy is we went from 11 and a whole bunch of guys, eight or nine guys tied at 11, to in a matter of minutes to suddenly being, oh, 13, winner. You know, it was crazy after the Eagle. So, Ronis, what did you think of that drive as a golf well, instructor? It's amazing, but it's more of the fact that he stood on the tee and he knew he had to hit that drive. That shows you how good the rest of the guys are in the field that are playing against him, that he stood there, and there was no choice of, I have a, I think he had a one-stroke lead at the time, of I can make birdie here with a wedge in my hand. I'm going to have to give it a shot at Eagle because I know these guys are coming for me. So, you know, who um, was it Scheffler was in the last, who was in the last group who had that sling cut oh, yeah. um, on 16, and he was inside of where I think where Marikawa was. So... They were all going for it, and then Dustin Johnson hit one 600 yards left of the target. But <laughs> it's, um, I think it's more impressive that he stood there and said, I have to do this. I don't have a choice, and then executed it, did and he then executed say, all the shots coming in. Did he say, I have to do it, or did he say, I want to do it? From what I heard, he said, uh, he said without hesitation, he's like, oh, this is a perfect driver right here. And when you hit it as tight as he does, and that's his preferred ball flight, <laughs> Just a little baby. I won't even say a fade because to me it doesn't. It doesn't curve at all. It slides left to right, which is what the great ball strikers do. They just let it yaw a couple of yards. And what's yeah. great is that with pro tracer boys, 
you and I and everyone else watching at home can be into the moment and go, oh, this is a big drive here. What's he going to do? And as soon as that beautiful red line starts getting painted on our screens, you come out of your seat. I came out of my seat going, oh, shit. That looks really good. I can't believe we ever watched golf without the shot tracer. I know. I know. It's, it's so when glorious. It, when it come, yeah, when it comes up a little late, you wonder, where's the shot? Yeah, what happened? What happened? Why, why are you Steve, not using it? Steve, being the audio, or the technical technical guy you are, how does it work? Oh, Please. shit. It, uh, John would know better because it uses TrackMan. It's radar. Yeah, it's radar. It's radar. It just tracks a ball, and then that's just an, an image that it portrays out there. And that image, that image can get thrown off a little bit here and there, but... Um, it, that's all it is. It's just a, it's a Doppler radar it, and it can, but it here's makes, the thing for those that don't know, some think, well, is it just measuring the spin launch angle and direction at impact and extrapolating how the ball should fly? The answer is no, because wind will affect how it does actually fly. So it's actually tracking that tiny ball 200, 300 yards away because the wind does matter. You need to see the picture of, is it coming back? Because Morikawa on 18 tugged that 8-iron just a bit. And my heart yeah. went in my throat, but the wind was coming off Lake Merced, and it pushed it just a little bit. And you could see that on the shot tracer, which was glorious. Yeah, because he didn't yeah, like mean, the it, shot. Well, he, no. pulled it. he pulled it by like 30 feet because there's <laughs> no really. reason at all. Yeah, because he wasn't going at that at flag, that, was he, pro? You're not going for that flag. You're going for 20 feet right of the flag. And if you pull it, the reason he was so nervous is because usually when you pull a ball, Ronnie, as you well know, it usually goes farther. And then over uh, long left in that green was dead. Ron, you still there? Sorry, Ron dropped out. New yeah, technology, I, new phone. Okay. Who dis? That's all right. More, more Sorry, minutes. I, for I you. dropped off. More minutes for you and me, Ron. Do you got a thought on that? Uh, no, I, I, I default and defer to John. I just, I just, I don't know how these guys do it under the pressure that they're under. I just don't. Let's and talk about none of the none, none of them went backwards, guys. Well, let's none of them went backwards except for dumb dumb. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to Kepka in a second. But right. here here's the thing. I want to talk about this, Ron. You are the possessor of the worst take going in sports right now, which is. I don't miss the fans at golf tournaments. Congratulations. This is one of the two times a year in which you are dead wrong. Because normally, my brother, you are so right about everything. You're wrong about this. The this fans, is my personal thing. They, fine. Be yeah, but, you're wrong. but you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm, you know, you're allowed to be wrong. Uh, here's the thing. The fans are important now. Forget the atmospherics of watching a tournament with no fans, which I think is absolutely more dull than with fans, even the Yahoo screaming, Baba Bowie, and get in the hole. Here's what I want to get to. You say it's easier to play under pressure without fans like we saw Saturday and Sunday, right? Yes. Okay. I agree. Okay. And I believe, and this is where, Ronis, you can jump in. I believe that seeing that incredible bunch of players at 10 under trailing Morikawa when he was at 11. I think it was six guys. It was Morikawa plus six dudes behind him. I contend that doesn't happen with fans because I contend you might have one guy at 11 and two guys at 10 and then a fall off. 
the lack of fans allowed a lot of players to just go on out and play their game. I'll hang up now and listen to your answers off the air. Go ahead, uh, well, I mean, you guys know my formula. Ability minus distractions equals performance. Right. And when you have roars, Ronnie, it distracts you for a second. Yes. And that is something that, in that regard, makes it easier to play stress-free, stress-free golf without the fans. So I give you that. So it, there's no question. But the other thing that happens Do you is, think there would have been seven guys within one shot of the lead in the final hour of the broadcast with fans? Because I don't. What Zabe, explain your point there. I think because I think because I the pressure, point. the pressure of the fans hearing the roars, thinking, "Oh shit, I've got to put the pedal to the metal. Don't fuck up." That crashes cars in the derby that is a that is a golf tournament. And without yeah. that, what you had was seven guys with the horsepower and the game that week to be competitive, and you saw them neck and neck down to the finish line. That doesn't happen, I think, with fan tournaments, normal tournaments. I think the pressure car wrecks all but two or three of them. I'm, I'm totally with you there. So okay, Ronnie, Ronnie, what do you think? What I'm do you think of that theory? I wrote you this in a text message. Okay, okay. All of you. So, yes, I feel completely confident that there's no way that this would have happened. I mean, these guys were out there laughing and smiling <laughs> and enjoying one another. How Heck, dare they? I mean, I know, I know we're going to talk about Kepka, but Kepka even said, well, I was out of it. My goal was to help Paul with his round. Oh, shut Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. He said it in the interview. He said, I just focused on getting Paul around and getting him. Oh, what? Now now I'm losing total respect for this guy. Yeah, should have a long time ago. I thought your act, Kepka, was, this game's easy. These guys are losers, nerds. Yeah. I did. Such a douche. I did. <laughs> okay. That's right. right. Ronnie, perfect word. All right. While we're on really Kepka, uh, oh. Rory McIlroy said he was, quote, taken aback by pretty much the trash talk Kepka threw at DJ on Saturday night, saying, hey, you know, I feel good because, you know, some of the guys at the top, they haven't won many of these when they're in the lead. Referencing DJ, who is now 0 4 in majors with a 54 hole lead. But do you well, remember right. the exact? Do you remember the exact question? The question was, how hard is it to win your? To, you know, you've won three in a row, and to win two in a row, how hard is it? And he said, "Well, I think all you have to do is look at the top of the the rest of the guys at the top of the leaderboard." That's what he said. In other words, saying that only that Faraday, or I mean that uh, DJ only had one, yeah, so he doesn't have two. I mean, it was a total, total. Uh, bait or whatever you want to call it. Was it a know. dick it move? Troll, troll. It was a troll. Oh, was it a was it a mir- <laughs> was it a mirthful troll of a longtime workout buddy and possible girlfriend wife swap partner allegedly, <laughs> or or was it a disrespectful comment unbecoming a professional? Ronus. I think it was a flat out truth. <laughs> okay. I think, I think I think that it is really hard to win a major championship and it's really hard to win your first and it's really hard to win multiple and what he was saying was the guys that are at the top don't have experience in winning multiple championships and he did so that was his leg up I think it was just a flat out truth now he played poorly and I don't like him at all but it just it was a truth it was a true statement now most people would have the tact not to complete that true statement but he's just a dick (laughs) 
He really is. If you get called out by Rory McIlroy, the nicest guy on tour, if you get called out by him, you know you're a dick. <laughs> yeah. McElroy Rory's said, one of the nicest guy on the on the on the planet. Yeah, so uh, I love that fair-haired him. Irish boy. And how about the fact yeah. that he had a marshal step on his ball in the rough, had the right legally to you know replace it in its original lie, but was troubled that the lie he was getting after placing it was too good. And so he basically worked with the rules official and said, you know what, I don't think it would have been sitting up like this. So he put it down further. The antithesis of Bryson DeChambeau. Yep. Oh, who just is, uh, I mean, we haven't had a show for a while, so we we don't we haven't talked about the ants and all the other crap. I mean, that guy's completely out of his mind. <laughs> all right, let's talk really about, is. let's talk He's about good, the ants. Though. He's really good. Has he? The ants. The ants are, I need a better lie here. There's red ants in the area. I'm going to use everything that I can to try to get a, a, a better lie. There's fire ants. Fire ants are definitely something that you're supposed to get relief from. But for the love of Pete, at this point, he's so roided up, he wouldn't even feel if they were biting his leg off. So it doesn't you even don't matter. Really, you don't believe that. So roided up. That's it looks a like really, a, it, it looks like a... Tomato on the top of a body. Its head is about to explode. It's very close to exploding. Let's get, let's might get a hat swing size. And his head blows off his head. No, let's get I've never heard you be so prophetic and profound. Yeah. I've never heard this out of yeah. you. Well, he, let's, really he, think, let's get a head really size check on this. Do you know his trainer said, he goes, look, we've been working up for this for the last two years almost. And yes, he's gained 60 pounds in one year or something like that. I think it's 60 or 50 pounds. That'd and his lot. his trainer said, I know that if you didn't understand how long we've been ramping up for this, you'd think he might be on something like steroids, but that's definitely oh. not the case. Yes, Save, if you didn't understand, you don't understand what I know. I'm the smartest man in the world, and everyone around that me... That was his trainer that said that. Pe- I know. Everyone around me are also smarter than everyone else. You don't understand what we've all gone through to do this, and it is such a joke, and his, his head itself, I don't know if there are hats made like anymore... Him. That will fit his head. Hey, if you were still a Puma did, Cobra did we, guy, hey, by the get, way, like by the way, that. did we get? Because you already dissed my Callaway there, Ronnie. So you're you're already on the shit list. Don't but worry, I want one of those. Ma- I want is, one of those Mavericks. I hit did, one, and I was did, like, "Ooh, did, this feels yeah, good." Because they're great. The other thing was, Rodas, did you hear Rodas him say? Up. Did you hear him say he's going to live to 140? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. I mean, so he's clinically yeah, he's, insane as well. No, no, no. Don't throw shade. He's not at 139 yet, so you don't know. Yeah, okay, you fair know? enough. Right, <laughs> like until he gets that old, you better shut your mouth. I, he might I actually do right. it. I guess Let's move right. on. He's got too much of our time. Okay. No, I want <laughs> one more thing. Now uh, I know why he wears those stupid fucking caps. It's uh, harder to measure head size increase. Yes. Because his hat right. maker would say, hey, he's up to seven and three quarters. Yeah, something's Bond, going you, on here. You wear Bonds that, wanted to wear one of those when he was playing for the Giants, but they wouldn't let him. Yeah, you wear oh that. You wear God. that. You wear that stupid Chevy, Chevy Chase hat and Caddyshack. It's harder the to Dangle. <laughs> it's yeah. harder to tell. Is he really yes. getting bigger in head size? Look, they, in all honesty, they test for steroids in the PGA Tour. Hey, He'd be he busted. Yeah, it, but his. He's bombing it, but his wedge game sucks, and he knows it. And everybody, yeah, I mean, oh, let's and face how it, about, the guy's good? And how? Well, I know, but how about his putting? How about yeah. that? The, uh, his putting stance weird. and that putter so and his weird. arms so straight, yeah. he looked like an early 
'90s video game where they can't yeah, really depict right. can't depict the golfer in the video game better than just a guy who's standing straight up with his arms down. And you know the grip on his putter is the size of a small redwood, so the feel factor must be flat. zero on those things. Yeah. No, yeah. no feel. And and you know whose putting stroke is fucking gold is Morikawa. Uh, yes, you see that those... ball roll in on the eagle. <laughs> Oh yes. Yeah. Do you That's see the other how, thing. Do you see how the tight those putts? Did you see how tight the putts were rolling? Yeah. Yes. When they close and the in line. on them, you're like, "Holy shit, that pill is fucking rolling." Did you see how good the greens were though? Because I don't know what it day were. it was, but there was they were making 20, 30, 40, 50 footers over yeah. and over. It became a joke on yeah. the telecast. David yeah. uh, David uh, what's his Duval. name? Duval was just freaking out. He's like, well, and another one. What? And another Green's one. too good? Is yeah. he un- unhappy about that? No, they're no, uh, You know what it is? It it's great. a perfect they're speed. Perfect. It's perfect speed. And again, the PGA showed how well it can set up a golf course. Yes. All right, question. What do you think you of the course? You know what else it is, quickly? You know what else it is? It's no eruptions, no um, ovations, <laughs> no crazy in the background. Right. In, the, in, other, words, in other words, it's the essence of golf that you're objecting yes. to. At high-level tournament golf, the cauldron of people and eyeballs and fans, that's what separates the mentally tough from everybody else, Ron. I don't need I'm some shocked guy by your I, take on let me, this. Let me, I don't let need me tell you guy that. in tight shorts uh penny loafers cigar and sweaty polo shirt screaming <laughs> at the top of his lungs at a golf tournament that I, I, will, I will tell you nuts. this though when when i deal with juniors and sometimes the juniors during certain times in their adolescence can't handle pressure at all and they're literally crying out on the golf course the one thing i say to them i kick their parents out of the room and i say listen if you're playing alone and you make five bogeys in a row do you start crying <laughs> and the answer is yeah. no so what's the difference because no crying. Watch, there's my, no my crying peers, in golf. My, You're like uh, you know, my, Tom Hanks in League of Their Own. <laughs> my parents are watching. We spent a lot of money, blah, 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 blah. I said, the fact is, the fans build that pressure. So it's it's important for them to get back out there to build that pressure up and make it more difficult on these players. You're right, I guess. Ronnie, here's the thing. Go ahead, Steve. You were, I was interrupting you. No, no, that's all right. You. You were here's, no, no, here's the thing about playing golf in front of anybody. And this is true the first time you're a beginner and you're a new player, you get nervous when people watch you. People talk all the time about, yeah, I was having a good round, then the fucking ranger came up and he stopped his cart and he watched us hit on number six. Next thing you know, I've hooked it into the woods. One pair of eyeballs from an old man who's a retiree who doesn't give a shit about how you hit it is enough to get in the head of a weekend golfer. To be a pro to me and to be able to play in front of all those eyes looking at you, it'd be like having sex and being buck naked in front of that many people. It'd fucking freak me out. Yeah, but Zabe, when you're public speaking, you're fine because you're a professional at it, and that's what you do, and that's what they do. But I don't public speak very much at at all. I do it on the radio, which is a whole different ballgame. It's not being in front of people. I'll never forget at Oakmont... 2008 U.S. Open, the first tee on number one at Oakmont is around the corner for the back tee, you know, uh, around the corner of the clubhouse in this narrow little chute next to a big hedgerow of trees. And the fans were all crammed back in there just trying to get a glimpse. And coming through, parting the sea of a narrow, tiny walkway through the fans all the way back to that back tee comes Ian fucking Poulter with his earbuds in and Peacock strutting with the most crisp pair of pants ever. And I'm uh-huh. like, holy shit, the kind of balls you have to have 
to stand on a tee box like that 484-yard par-4 with a ribbon of fairway and six inches of instant bogey on either side, and they get up there, and they go, swish, swish, ball go far. Yeah, I know it. And down the fairway, down the fairway we go. That's the essence of big-time professional golf with fans. So I want the fans back. It pisses me off that there's so many things in life that we can have people do. Restaurants are open. You can fly on an airplane like I did recently. You can go to Walmart. We can't let 3,000 fans in, a lucky 3,000 at the fucking golf tournament. Fuck off, no. society. Yep. Yeah. It's well, you can't go to me. school either, Zabe. You can't go well, to school. I know. And you Let's, can't play school sports. I, I know. God Let's helps. not get into that there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's not. Back to Morikawa. Is this guy the truth, or is he just hot right now? Oh, he's the truth. He, big time he, truth. 27 professional starts on the tour. One missed cut. One missed cut, three right. wins. Sick, right? What, three wins. It would have been four wins if he didn't lip one out yeah. in Texas, right? Right. And a major. Right. Okay, so why no, he is, is he so why is he, he is so good? Stud stud. Brandel Chambly was all about club face stability, which is a new term to yeah, me. Yeah, it's hard. What does well, that mean? It's, it's the ability to square the club face consistently, which is the hardest thing for any junior to be able to do, is to square the club face consistently. And so in other words, you don't hit sideways shots. And that's what catches me with him is that he's got two things I think that a great player has to have, great distance control and the ability to keep the club face square. Those two things, obviously, square club face and right distance control. But to do it over and over and over is what separates uh, someone to be able to play week in and week out and make the cuts. That's why Tiger's streak of cuts might be the greatest achievement of anyone as any golfer has ever done. Agreed. And and Mark Kawa is heading in the direction where he he should be the favorite for the next 10 majors. All right, the mm-hmm. big 3 of this class though, Victor Hovland, Morikawa, and Matthew Wolf. Wolf at a 65 and he just missed a couple of putts. The longest putt Wolf made on Sunday to finish one shot back was 13 feet 4 inches. Think about that for a second. Shoots 65, and his longest putt was 13 feet 4 inches. Talk about stuffing it all day long. But Who's but, but the best of the three? It has to be more Morikawa right now. But, but here's, here, okay. here's the deal. When you take a look at Wolf and you say, let's go through the majors. So he's not a great putter. Kick the Masters out of there. He cannot drive the ball consistently with the distance that he hits it for U.S. Open. Kick that out of there as well as the putting. So a PGA Championship and possibly a British Open, those are the tournaments that he'll he'll go for in majors. But you still have to play four days, and those guys, as they're great. Look, I'm not saying they're not great players, but they hit it so far that you're occasionally going to hit a couple crooked ones. And in majors, you just can't do that. Yeah. Wolf's move is about the funkiest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it sure is. With the big yeah. hip, the hip flinch, I, strange, and then backing up. Deal. But I love it. Yeah, I, when, anytime your wife who's watching, or my wife watches, you can say, whoa, whoa, whoa. She's like, what, what was What's that? What's that? <laughs> right, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> All right. Crazy. She, <clears throat> she'd really be scared if you started practicing that in the driveway. So yeah, when I when I look like, at when yeah. I look at Morikawa when I look at Morikawa, I think to myself, "Oh shit, Spieth, you are so over, buddy. We have a new, better version of you. 
college phenom, fresh-faced. You're just the Asian-American version of Spieth, only maybe better. No, way better. We learned quickly that Spieth is just a whining sissy. <laughs> oh, my God, Ronis, you're on fire. I've have you been this. drinking tonight? Oh, yeah, my no, God. I did, no, I did have a sip of a Coke here at 930 at <laughs> you night. You know what but... it is? Is You made him chase around to find headphones and laptops. That's right. I was, I was winded. Stuff. You fired him up. All right, so, so Spieth, Spieth is a guy, Ronnie, who cares too much. Yeah. They showed him after the first round on I the range, it. desperately trying to find something. And it's like, oh, my God. Can we retell the story from a source without telling who it is about what Spieth might be going through? Or no? Oh, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, no. Yeah, uh, there's, there's some speculation. I'll say it. No, that Spieth just, yeah. may not be happy with his life. Yeah, he didn't marry the right girl. He was told to marry her. There, or not told, but it, he didn't have a choice. Wow. They've been together since they were children. <laughs> well, you jumped Steve right in there. Yeah. You were, well, he was he being all like, oh, no, I don't want to do talk it. about this. And now did Ronnie's like, blap. <laughs> I had to process it. Oh, okay. Uh, Spieth, you know, Spieth has a daughter, has a sister with special needs. And mm-hmm. apparently this uh, Spieth's now wife, girlfriend since they were 12 or whatever, is like a sister to her, helps her, takes care of her. This is a well, situation that's wonderful. where, yeah, he's yeah, but he may not be in love. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. affecting his golf game. Maybe he just tries that's too from much. A very good source. All right, maybe. I think, I, yeah. I think he's trying to have a perfect yeah, life too much. It's a perfect swing. No, you know, he he doesn't have a perfect swing, but what? No, he doesn't have a person's perfect swing. No, he, he doesn't. Was a junior phenom. He never knew what it was like to really lose a bunch. And I'm sorry, I unfortunately his game doesn't translate to 2020. And he, yeah. where it went Funny. wrong was he won his majors, and then he decided that he needed to be on the, the weightlifting bandwagon, and he started uh, to do no, that he stuff. Didn't. No, he's lean. Yes, sure he, he lost, did. He lost weight. He's not lifting. Do you lift, bro? This was bro? like four years ago, Zabe. I don't think he's lifting. Like I don't see ago. it. I don't see it in his body. I don't think he lifted. Right. Jason Day seems to be more muscular, but I don't know. Here's right. the thing about Spieth, though. Here's the thing about I'm Spieth. I'm making it up. I know. No, I'm no, not we, saying you're I making it up. you're right. No, you're right. <laughs> Am I right, right, Ronnie? He got into the, he got into the health. No, I'm right. The, getting in the gym. I know you're right. In the gym. Yeah. yeah. He just looks Ronis mean to right. me. He doesn't this look was like four years. This is a few no, years this ago. Was, this, this is a, a few years okay. a while ago, all right. Dave. All right. All right. Whatever. He here's where I thought Spieth lost himself because I used to be the biggest Spieth stan of them all. I love this kid. I said he's impossible to believe. He's so good. He's so polite. He's so great. He wins a couple majors. Next thing you know, Ron, he's snapping at autograph seekers at the U.S. Open. And he's talking all big like, I'm now one of the faces of golf. I've got to talk like I'm one of the superstars. And I think it affected him. And the whole thing with Greller. We this, we that. We, we, we. And then he snapped at him. Remember that at Pebble? Yes. He snapped it on the eighth hole, I think it was. He's too high strung to keep winning. He's got to chill it the fuck he out. Look, they, he and Gell, he and Geller don't, or Greller don't look like they have fun. It's no, like, and 
and no. there's, and there's too much no. with Spieth. There's too much blaming shit. I saw him blaming the sand. Then there was a comment yeah. about how there wasn't enough sand in the sand traps, and there's always someone else, or there's, it's always something else. It's not his fault. You can right. see it on the course. Are you yeah. kidding me? Maybe. He says it over and over with all the, right. oh, the wind, and yeah. you know you can see how animated these guys are because they know the television cameras on them, and yeah. so often you will see them with their hands. They'll make like uh, supposed to go left. Oh you know, God, like, put, jumper no, lie yeah, or the wind. I yes. can't believe Mike <laughs> yeah. that Mike that didn't hit the wind. Come on, man. Oh yes. God, yes. this That's that the stuff. other. Hey motherfucker, yes. F- hit it, find it, <laughs> hit it again, count right. them. Hit Remember it, find it, hit it again, your count them. Bag? Right here, yeah. he, hit That's it, so find true. it, hit it again, count them, and then put the number in the box, yeah. and then the boxes go one to eighteen. Add them all up. Go out and have a fucking beer. But I'm never Speak. going to. Ca- I'm never going to count out. him out, though. He's I listen. I don't. I don't hate him. I don't hate him. I want him to chill the fuck out. I don't. But. I don't. I don't dislike him either. I don't dislike him either. But he needs to chill out. All right, Tiger, and then we're going to get to the broadcast and put a wrap on it. Tiger Woods was basically a non-factor. I didn't really watch much of his rounds, even though they were available on ESPN. I'm just not at the stage where I'm like, I gotta watch. I gotta watch. I gotta watch. What I did see though was some horrific putting, like. I believe yeah. in the second round, he had like a total of made putts of 13 feet for 18 holes. So in other words, yes. that's unbelievable. It means basically every hole he's just tapping in for something. He's made nothing. And I saw putts wow. that missed the hole by two or three cups wide. And I'm like, shit, that's what I do. What's wrong? So first day, <clears throat> well, he, made 100, first day he made 117 feet. Of putts. I don't know if you know that. First Two under. Yeah. Yes. With a putter, as you know, his backup putter. The reason he's using this backup putter is because yeah. his other putter is shorter. And he has not been able to practice oh, because right. it's shorter, back. because it hurts his back. So he went with the longer putter. This is his backup. Uh, Tigers, in my opinion, John, and I know you're going to give us your pro- golf professional opinion, but I just don't think that he's playing enough to putt well. It's that simple. Yeah, I you know what I'm I'm That's with you. That's a good you, theory, Ronnie. Ron. I'm with you too. I'm with you. You you have because you know, Ron. You yeah. know what's interesting too is I'm now older and you know I don't play, play golf anymore. But like when we went and played at Woodmont, I always take for granted putting, and I realize that I don't think I'm the, a good putter anymore because oh, I don't not... play. Well, because I don't. You're play. not as you're not as good as you, you would be I mean? played. Yeah. Right. So I think it's streaky, and I'm not even you know comparing myself at that level. But I think you're right, Ronnie. I think a combination of I think at that age, they go through that putting rut and the fact that he's not playing as much. I, I totally agree with you. All right. Yeah, you putt against an art form. All right, let's talk about the broadcast. What do you guys think? And do you know that I am now on Frank Nabilo and Ian Baker Finch's shit lists thanks to a tweet I sent out? Oh, yeah, really? Let, 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 me, let me go first, then Rona should go first. I will say that I'm going to keep this simple. The highlight of the broadcast was very simply... And obviously, Phil Mickelson. Because? Oh, I forgot amount. about that. He's Be- the best. Because? He's, the best. Uh, he's perfect. I mean, he's light. He what makes light, him good? exactly what CBS needs. Right. Uh, well, he keeps it light, and he's not afraid. He's a professional ball buster. And yes. he's good yes. at it. A he's needler. doing it all of his life. He's the, yeah, he's the Eddie Haskell combined with the smart guy who has a... You know the nicest uh, Learjet on tour, or, or uh, 
private jet on tour and he's got money coming out of his asshole and he's confident <laughs> and he's really really funny and and good on air i mean Rona, Ronas, what'd you think you're right you're right ronnie because he can also back it up like faldo can back up the majors but but mickelson can back it up with wins you know so he can say whatever he wants and that's what he, his whole life has been that. When he said to Faldo how I didn't expect a guy your size to hit it so short, I mean, <laughs> it's fascinating what came out of his mouth. Seven, I think the broadcast. Seven, ma- he, yeah, seven majors, He goes, pal. when you, when you get up to seven majors, you can talk to me. But that's, Faldo, Faldo, that's has, you, Faldo has six, right? Yeah, I think that's seven. what I think he said. But well, Faldo has, he has six. Faldo has six okay. and yeah. Phil has seven. And so Phil was given the needle. When you get to seven, you can yeah. talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're yeah. saying they're it's, saying it's just, they're that's saying what you need. They're saying he could be the Romo of, of golf. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I that's a good analogy. Yes. I'll take that. He's got so much golf left, though. He he does not. He's a competitor. He will not stop playing golf. Somebody somebody on the broadcast, it might have been McDonough, said, you know what? He's going to win a major. He's going to win the U.S. Open this fall at 50 and complete the career Grand Slam. We'll see. Okay, that's All right. that's not going to happen. Now, do you, do you want to do you want to hear why cool. I'm you, you want to hear why Ian Baker Finch and Frank Nabilo are not going to invite me to their uh, CBS yeah. Christmas party? So I tweeted. That's a in, shame. I want to hear it. Though. I know. I tweeted in a in a little bit of fit of anger because I just there I consider both of them useless, although they're nice fellas. Because <laughs> Nabilo says nothing and takes a long time and many words to say nothing. And Ian Baker Finch puts too much syrup on every one of his pancakes, okay? What are you doing in the background there, Ron? You making us a salad or something? Yeah, you, are you building a deck? Yeah, what's going on back there? I thought I had your rapt <laughs> attention with this story. Maybe mute your microphone while you do that. Okay. My yeah. pug, my pug Dario, was chewing on a bone. Hold on, I'll okay. stop it. No, that's all right. Go ahead. Oh, so so no, anyway, I, I tweet out... After Morikawa makes eagle on 14 and, you know, the rally killer of excitement known as Frank Nabilo tosses it to break as if it's the Wyndham championship, I just got pissed. And I said, Nabilo and Baker Finch are sleepy and dopey with their useless commentary. I said, I know they're great guys, but don't we deserve better than a couple of guys with long-faded, mostly irrelevant careers? And obviously, I touched a nerve with that. I didn't even at those guys, but some tattletale bitch on Twitter hand-carried that tweet to them. And I wake up this morning, I find Nabla responded to me. And, you know, was basically... Oh, no! Oh, yeah! I find that what Ian Baker Finch had it later. Something about... He didn't like the act... Oh, I called him an, ac- an accent act. The two of them. Oh, uh, by looking at the name of your, or your last name, it would yeah. appear that some of your ancestors also had an accent. That yeah, whole woke yeah. bullshit they brought in. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And Ian, what ba- Ian Baker said. Finch actually said, I'd like to see you come up to the booth on 17 and try it. It's harder than you think, which maybe is an invite. I doubt it, though. Uh, but I just, <laughs> I just let it sit. I, you know what? I now regret doing it because nothing good comes from it. And... I was probably a little bit harsh, but here's the thing about Twitter. I don't at people because this was not a personal thing. This was a comment made from my followers. Like, this is my opinion on these two guys. Nice guys, but I'm not a fan. I don't think they're very good. Hey, Steve, I'm proud of you for saying it. I might be on Twitter if I knew how to use a computer. 
Yeah, Ron. See, Steve, the way that you said it is uh, the, the way the way and the manner you said it is so. Uh, I mean, you were emotional, but it's right, and you know it's right, and you felt strongly about it, and you're fed up with it, like a lot of us are. A lot of us are fed up with it because we don't understand why the executives, the people who are doing the, are putting these guys on air, we don't understand why they don't see it. It's so vanilla. It's vanilla. Both of them. They don't add anything to the broadcast. I know. But one good for my my reputation. That's for sure. Not that I was going to the Christmas party for CBS, to... but I, I just I hate that that's now on my record. wasn't good for me. Oh, don't Twitter's worry Twitter's a bad thing. Eh, everyone says yeah. that. No. Eh, you know. That's all right. How much is it bothering you? It's all right. Scale of one to ten. Ten yeah. being yeah. a penis that was caught in a car door. Uh, one being mm-hmm. uh, the that's Redskins not that. winning a game. Mm-hmm. I'd say it was it's yeah. a three. It's a three, but it's good. subsiding. Yeah, that's all right. So you know what? Worse. You still have Ronnie and I as your friends. <laughs> no, but you know what, Steve? Steve, you know what? Maybe it'll make these guys think about how they're approaching this. Maybe they're the ones you know who are stale. They're, and not, even they're not thinking. You know no what? They know. will. I'm not kidding. You never know. If they took the time to respond, yes, if they, they will. took the time to respond, they're thinking about it. That they're feeling the heat because McCord yes. and Costas got whacked, and now a guy with a piddling fifty-one thousand followers threw shade at them, and they're like, "Shit, hope this guy doesn't get people thinking in the network truck." There you go. Yeah, right. Exactly. The next, and you uh, got Dave people Slub thinking in the network right around truck, the corner. Maybe. Yeah. All right, boys. Great talk. <laughs> Thank you for your time tonight. I'll talk to you guys <laughs> next weekend. All right. Thank you, brother. See you guys. Bye bye. Bye. All right, let's end on this. I got the biggest milk shooting out of my nose. Ha ha chortle when I saw this one. Headline, neck gaiters may actually increase COVID-19 transmission. (laughs) What are you laughing about? That's not funny, man. That's bad. We're never going to get out of this pandemic. I love the people that say, if you just wear a damn mask and social distance, this will all be over. What are you, a fucking child? You can really believe that? You believe that's all it takes to beat a global pandemic with a virus that is completely widespread in a nation of 330 million people that can easily waft through the air and get into another person, even wearing a mask? There's a lot of children out there I see on my timeline. It's stunning. If we had just worn masks, this would be over by now. All for fuck's sake. Well, now here we go. According to a new study carried out by researchers at Duke University School of Medicine, they tested 14 different masks, and the, the two that proved to be least effective were a bandana and then what other researchers referred to as a neck fleece or known as a neck gaiter. <laughs> the most secure mask in N95 led to a droplet transmission of below 0.1%. Handmade cotton and propylene masks also proved effective, droplet transmission ranging from 0.1% to 04 Then you start going up the list, blah, 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 blah. But then guess what? The neck fleece had a 
droplet transmission rate of 110%. So in other words, it transmitted more droplets than just not wearing a mask at all. Well, well, well. How long before we get people now saying neck gaiters are illegal? I just bought some off of eBay, or not eBay, off of Amazon, delivered from China, of course. They're not very comfortable. They still steam up your glasses, but I will wear mine because I feel less humiliated than I do wearing a stupid fucking surgical mask. So that's my mask of choice. And I'm sorry for the extra 10% of droplets, but this is what you get with these silly mask mandates. I'm going to wear whatever is minimally required. And until our politicians pass a new law saying no neck gaiters, oh, that's coming, then that's what I'm wearing. So I'd stay eight feet away from me. If that's the case, that'll do it for me today. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Ron and John, the boys to talk some golf. Always appreciate them stopping in as always rate and review. And I do appreciate those strong ratings. Tell a friend or two, if this is a podcast worth listening to a handy, convenient, fun, entertaining, informative, doesn't take itself too seriously at all. Podcast that deals with sports life and more. Let them know about it. Spread the word. I appreciate it very much. Have a great Tuesday, and we will see you Of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the face and let the alpine blast pop in my CD. If you're struggling with a drug or alcohol addiction, now is the time to take action and get professional help. Call Recovery Centers of America at 1-800-941-2358. You are worthy of recovery from your addiction, and calling RCA will be the first step in getting the help you need. Recovery Centers of America answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, and because safety is a top priority, all patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Their expert team of physicians and medical professionals will treat you with compassion and dignity and provide an evidence-based treatment plan that's custom-tailored to your specific needs. Recovery Centers of America has detoxification and residential treatment centers across the East Coast and Midwest. And many of their treatment centers are in network with insurance providers. So RCA's best-in-class inpatient and outpatient care, which is offered both in person and via teletherapy, is affordable and accessible. Make this the year you conquer your addiction. Call 1-800-941-2358. 800-941-2358.